This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Loving Animals. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Ganser, the CEO of American Humane, our country's first national humane organization. This week, we're joined by a very special guest, Tim Morrow, the CEO and executive director of the San Antonio Zoo. Tim is involved in conservation efforts both locally and nationally to secure a future for wildlife, something I know you're passionate about as well. After this quick break, we'll hear from Tim about what we can do to help our world's disappearing species. Don't go away. And thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Loving Animals. We'll be right back. When Helen Brown ran away to New York City five years ago, she had no idea that a homeless cat with a punk rock haircut and enough catitude to light up the Empire State Building would be the one to teach her the true meaning of love and a forever home. In the tradition of her internationally best-selling memoir, Cleo, Helen Brown's Bono, The Amazing Story of a Rescue Cat Who Inspired a Community, is a heartwarming true story about a woman without an anchor, a homeless cat without much hope, and finding a forever home in the city that never sleeps. Modern Cat Magazine calls Bono an uplifting tale about how everyone deserves love and a second chance. Bono by Helen Brown is on sale now everywhere. You know that feeling when you go to clean the litter box and it's a complete disaster? Yeah, we've got you covered. Introducing World's Best Cat Litter Zero Mess, the advanced litter that gives you two times better clumping and more odor control with less litter. Zero Mess combines the concentrated power of corn with super-absorbent plant fibers. Translation, scoop once and you're done. Find it at a pet store near you and save $2. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Hi, welcome. You are listening to Loving Animals with Robin Ganser. Thanks so much for joining us for this week's episode. We're so excited about an opportunity to share with you our love for animals in zoos and aquariums. And today's special guest is my good friend, a rock star in the zoo and aquarium world, Tim Morrow, the CEO and Executive Director of the San Antonio Zoo in San Antonio, Texas. Tim, welcome today. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm doing great, and I'm so glad that you are on because I love your work that you do in San Antonio. You have a gorgeous facility, incredible animals under your stewardship and your care, and uh, I'm so proud that you are now American Humane certified in our American Humane Conservation Program, so congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, that certification was um, definitely our highlight of 2017, especially for a facility that's been here 103 years, uh, really loved by its community and um, people from all over the state, all over the country, and all over the world that come visit us. It just gives us another level of uh, credibility, and it was a great honor to be part of the program. Well, I can tell you that it's a big deal, and it means that your facility, Tim, under your leadership and and that of your team, is indeed world-class in terms of the care and stewardship, and most importantly, the humane treatment of animals. 
It's uh, It was a robust, rigorous third-party audit that you passed with flying colors, and uh, it's a good day to celebrate for the zoo in San Antonio, but importantly for the entire community of San Antonio. It's uh, it's really great to see a world-class leader right there in your hometown. Yes. Our, our community was very excited about it, and it was interesting. We got a lot of questions of what did you have to do to get ready for this audit, and really the answer was nothing. We just operate like we always have operated, and having the animals at top of mind in everything we do, both here at the zoo and in the wild, and um, inspires us for our mission and our vision. And so that process was, for us, really simple, just having someone come in and put third eyes on us and, and give us opinions and feedback, and very glad that we pass with flying colors and we're part of the program. Uh, well, we are we are thrilled to welcome you to the uh, Humane Conservation family, that's for sure. Well, Tim, let's talk a little bit about the animals in your care. I understand you might have had some new babies born at the zoo. We have had some babies. We have, you know, it's, it's with the zoo with a large uh, collection of animals, we often have births. So mm-hmm. <laughs> we've celebrated uh, many over the last year. We've had otters, tamanduas some host stock and, and other great additions to our zoo and um, Temistema crocodiles, so some great and dangerous species work. And then just excellent husbandry across the zoo is bringing us um, these amazing babies for our guests to come see and learn more about these, these animals that are in our care. That's wonderful. I love your crocodile exhibit. Can you share, paint a picture of what your crocodile exhibit is for our listeners? Yeah, so our vice president of animal care is a herpetologist by trade. So as you can imagine, we have a heavy herpetological collection. So, <laughs> I know. I saw um, it firsthand. I have to yeah. tell you. <laughs> we have um, a couple of places where we have crocodiles and alligators. One of the benefits of the San Antonio Zoo is we sit on top of um, an aquifer, the Edwards Aquifer, and we pump well water up into the zoo, um, and then it flows through the zoo, through a river system, and then into a UV plant, and then becomes what is known as the San Antonio River or the Riverwalk, as most people know. So we're providing a majority of the well water to the San Antonio Riverwalk. Within the zoo, the benefit for us for having that well is we have excellent quality water that comes at a constant year-round temperature of about 78 degrees. So we have some these uh, endangered crocodiles, like Temistema, who can live here year-round in the water, and um, we've proven with three clutches now that um, we're a good breeding facility for these crocodiles that is not working so well in other places. So we have a river system. We have a lake in the middle of the zoo that's also fed by the spring water. And then, of course, when we have the, the clutch of eggs, we bring those in and raise those, and we're learning more about those with each clutch that we go through. And we had a record hash this time with 13 babies, and they're in our aquarium building, thriving, and actually I think some are going out to other zoos this week to help that collection grow and those animals thrive in uh, the care of man. Isn't that wonderful? So wonderful. And with your, your expert tune, I know that there was a, a number of other additions to that collection tune. I particularly like uh, that one building where they're all just have such incredible educational displays tune. I've learned a lot about the snakes in your care. And fact, yes. In fact, I was frightened when I saw the snakes in your care. I love <laughs> all animals, as you know. In fact, the show, this show is loving animals. But those snakes give me a, a good, uh, a good you know, mix of fear and awe at the same time. Tell us a little bit about the snakes in your care. Sure. Uh, Again, another large collection and um, in front areas and back areas. Our team is very passionate about taking guest visitors or, you know, people that contact us that are afraid of snakes and really turning them 
and explaining the benefits of snakes and, you know, they're not going to hurt you. You have to res- have a respect for snakes and for nature. And so that building that those animals are housed in was built in the 40s during the WPA. So it's a beautiful building with marble columns. It used to be an outdoor building. It had walls put on it in the 80s to air condition it and bring that space a little more friendly for our guests. But we have a very large snake collection, as you can imagine, like our crocs and alligators and do a lot of breeding of endangered snakes as well behind the scenes. Um, and then those often come out into the guest areas to really teach people about those snakes. And, of course, we live in South Texas, so we have a lot of snakes in general and around our houses and our businesses and <laughs> where we play in nature. Mm-hmm. So really teaching our local community about the importance of snakes and don't just kill every snake you see and they serve a purpose and respect the snake. It's more afraid of you than you are of it. Um, those messages are very important for our local community on top of the work we're doing around the world to help some of these snakes from other regions. Uh, I know you had a lot of venomous snakes there, too. You do do a lot of teaching about the venomous snakes. Uh, tell us about some of your venomous ones in the connect. Yeah, we have many species of venomous snakes, and actually the San Antonio Zoo works with the local hospital system often to provide anti-venom if somebody is bitten from a snake in the wild or a private collection or another zoological facility here in our region. The San Antonio Zoo, with our expertise in that, is the first ones that they usually call from the local hospitals. So we have close contact with the hospitals in regards to to those snakes. So we have, you know, the proper procedures in place for our staff and... um, they do all the work behind the scenes with the snakes for breeding and collecting venom and things like that. But it's a really great program for, for the entire community that the community probably doesn't even realize is happening. I'm sure they don't, but what a great jewel you have right there in San Antonio of really helping to save lives. Yes. I think that's wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Well, now we're going to move beyond my fascination for crocodiles and snakes and talk about your golden girls. I love yes. your elephants. Tim, tell us a lot about your elephants. Sure. Well, actually, today is the one-year anniversary that Nicole, who came from Feld Entertainment, which is Ringling Brothers, came to the San Antonio Zoo. So actually, one year ago today, she came to be a companion for Lucky. So Lucky has been here for since 1962, um, an Asian elephant. She's outlived her lifespan already by about 10 years, which is really a testament to the care that she's gotten here at the San Antonio Zoo. And so we had been searching for a companion for the last couple of years. Um, she's a very particular elephant, so she hasn't always gotten along with everyone she's roommated with. So we were very diligent in finding the right companions for her. So we met with Ringling over the course of a year or two, and um, they came out to visit Lucky and said, right away, we know exactly who um, would do well with her. And then the San Antonio Zoo, myself, and some other staff went down to their facility, visited their elephants and their conservation center, and we brought in Nicole around a year ago. And then a couple months later, we brought Nicole's best friend, uh, Karen, in, who when we visited the Center for Elephant conservation in florida which is run by feld karen and nicole were inseparable and what we, we didn't want to split those two up but we also didn't want to bring them both at the same time and have lucky be the odd one out so we brought them one at a time and it's really worked out well they are the best of elephant friends we could ever imagine has exceeded all of our expectations and wishes and and hopes and they are thriving together and hanging out together and swimming together and um, doing all the things that we'd want to see a group of elephants doing together and, and our community has really been inspired by those three ladies we affectionately call the Golden Girls. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, there's a YouTube video that I think, Tim, went viral of those girls talking. Uh, describe yes. that great video of the Golden Girls. Yeah, we had a we have a guest that literally comes and visits the zoo every day and gets us amazing photos and amazing videos. And she was just at the uh, the Habitat one morning watching the girls and 
they were all kind of in different parts of the yard doing their own thing. Lucky was searching for food. On You know, we hide enrichment food and snacks in the walls and things for them. So Lucky was kind of just scavenging along the wall and um, became real apparent that Nicole wanted to play. And Nicole started kind of swinging her foot and tail towards Lucky and trumpeting a little bit. And then Lucky turned around. Nicole ran. And then Lucky ran after Nicole, and they're thumping and trumpeting and making all the noises you want to hear from elephants. And the next thing you know, you see Karen running running into the video picture, and then all three of them just really sat there together and played together and talked to each other for minutes, four or five minutes probably. We, you know, we posted not the whole video, but they're really vocal um, together, which is really nice to hear. And, and, of course, you can hear it across the zoo and across the park that we sit in, which is a great sound. I love that sound, and for those of you that haven't had a chance to hear elephant's trumpet, I tell you, it's amazing, and anyone, even within driving distance of the San Antonio Zoo, do make it on your summer or fall vacay list. It's a worthwhile trip to see uh, the Golden Girls and this incredible zoo, and I was just reading, Tim, and this is, I think, significant eye-opening number, uh, the San Antonio Zoo had an $85 million impact uh, on the San Antonio community and economy in 2016. So when I think about zoos, I think of the educational piece, the incredible conservation work that you do, the, you know, just the ability to help keep species alive as we face the sixth mass extinction, which we want to get into after a commercial break. But I'm so impressed that your zoo had an $85 million economic impact in the San Antonio community. That's stunning. And it's a great message for us in the community to um, garner more support for the things we want to do in the future. You know, we're, we're in the midst of a master plan right now to really develop out the rest of our zoo property, and we want to become the biggest, the greatest zoo in the country. And so we're working towards that. And um, we hosted, we had a record year in attendance last year of over 1.2 million people, an $85 million impact to the community. We um, helped fill 89,000 hotel rooms. Uh, wow. over that year and supported 696 jobs. So not only the 550 employees that we have here at the zoo, but other jobs of contractors and vendors that we use in the community. So it really has a far-reaching impact, this zoo, both locally and globally as we do conservation work around the world. We're also doing conservation work locally and helping the local economy, which is a it's a win for everybody. It's a win-win-win. And being the fact that you've been certified as a humane conservation institution is also a great yeah. big win for the animals. How many animals are in your collection, Tim? Uh, we have a large collection um, in the thousands, a lot, you know, but we, in the typical zoo fashion, we have thousands of fish, we have, you know, a thousand bats, and then we are probably one of the largest bird collections in the country, I would say one or two, uh, number one or two with bird collection, and do some amazing work in that arena as well. Our herp collection is uh, big, and then we're looking really to grow, and we have some species that we would like to do conservation work with and have at the San Antonio Zoo that our guests can come see and connect with that we don't have yet, so... A lot of that's happening in the master planning right now to really look at all the animals in our care. Why do we have them in our care? What conservation work are we doing with with each of those? And let's make sure we have a plan for each species that we have here to um, help that species. That's great. And friends, if you're not familiar with zoos and aquariums in this country, more people visit zoos and aquariums than all professional sports combined. That includes hockey, baseball, football, add all of those up together, basketball, and more people visit zoos and aquariums. It's stunning. And I think that's great because we're talking about some major crises facing animals in our lives that uh, we see in wildlife uh, and in conservation. We're going to be right 
right back after a very brief commercial break to visit with Tim Morrow, one of the country's leading experts in zoos and aquariums, really talking about conservation efforts that he's doing, that he's leading locally and internationally, and importantly, the impact of the sixth mass extinction. We'll be right back with Tim Morrow after this brief commercial break. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. We'd like to thank our sponsor for this episode, Rover.com. Rover, the dog people. It's the largest network of five-star pet sitters and dog walkers in North America. If you have dogs, and like me, you're working during the day and can't get home to walk your fur babies, you can just use the Rover app on your Android or iPhone and find a five-star dog walker. Book them, favorite them, and even pay them all through the app. And I know if I'm going away for the weekend or even taking a five-day cruise, I can use the same Rover app to book a pet sitter. By using Rover, my dog walker or pet sitter is trusted, background checked, and is backed by Rover's premium insurance and 24-7 support. And if my dog and I want to meet my pet sitter or dog walker beforehand, we can do that too with a free meet and greet. I personally like that I can get pictures of my dog, a map of her walk, and updates right on the app. It's so cool. We have a special offer for Pet Life Radio listeners, too. Get $25 off your first booking by going to rover.com forward slash Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio is all one word. And use the promo code Pet Life Radio. So once again, go to rover.com forward slash Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio is all one word. And use promo code PETLIFERADIO. Three words for the code and get $25 off your first booking. It's a awesome deal. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Welcome back to this week's episode of Loving Animals with yours truly, Robin Gansert. Our very special guest this week is Tim Morrow, the CEO of the San Antonio Zoo, which we were just talking about some of his very special collections of animals at the San Antonio Zoo. And I thought it was a fascinating number, the economic impact of the zoo on the San Antonio community, $85 million impact in 2016, which I think is just, again, stunning. What's really important to talk about as we talk about loving animals, Tim, is your conservation work, how the San Antonio Zoo is involved in so many conservation projects, including the Giraffe Conservation Foundation, the Snow Leopard Trust, among so many others. Can you share with us your vision for conservation around the world? Yes, and really we talk about it all the time. We've redefined our mission and our vision in the last year. But really our mission is to secure a future for wildlife, and it starts at the zoo with the zoo visit. You know, people come to us because it's fun, and then we want to teach them about these animals in the wild and, and create that love for animals um, that we want everyone to have. And then we take that and we take the funds that we get by the people visiting us and we, we um, either lead, fund, or participate in conservation efforts on nearly every continent. Right mm-hmm. now, our conservation team, Dr. Fanolio and Dr. Glusenkamp, are in a cave in China 
doing work there where there's a lot of species that have not been identified and, and our team's working to identify those species so that we can make sure those they continue to live and thrive and we know what's in those areas before there's an issue. And actually, we were featured in, that team was featured in Newsweek just this week on the uh, discovery of a live species that had not been seen before. So wow. we do work in China. We call ourselves this little zoo in San Antonio, but we do work in China, Peru, Chile, Mexico, Puerto Rico, right under our own feet here in the Edwards Oxford. That's work that we're running the efforts on, not to mention all the efforts that we support through groups like the International Elephant Foundation, who is doing um, elephant conservation on, in Asia and Africa, and then all the animals efforts that we help support through the uh, funds that we raise at the zoo with people visiting us. Wow, that's just stunning, absolutely stunning. And when I think about that, too, and I love the fact that it's the little zoo in San Antonio impacting animals across the world. You know, people don't know about the sixth mass extinction, Tim. Can you share with our listeners what this is and how this impacts wildlife all around the world? Yeah, we are in the midst of the biggest extinction since the time of dinosaurs, and really this one is being caused because of man. So zoos and aquariums, uh, it's very important that we all are working on this together. And if you take all the accredited zoos and aquariums in the country and put them together, it's probably one of the largest conservation efforts on the planet. We've had a really unique thing happen here in San Antonio with the monarch butterfly, which is a good example of this extinction. Is A lot of people don't know the monarch butterfly is in, in danger of going extinct. We all grew up with them everywhere, and, and you kind of just don't notice that they're not around as much as they used to be. And our former mayor, Mayor Ivy Taylor, decided that San Antonio was going to make a stand and try to stop the extinction of this species. Um, the San Antonio Zoo had been doing monarch work for 10-plus years with, with tagging butterflies that travel down through San Antonio. We, we are really a migration funnel right at the point of when San Antonio, where the butterflies come through on the way to Mexico. So for 10 years, we've been tagging butterflies, working with universities like Kansas State. When the butterflies get to Mexico and breed, the, the wings are collected after the butterflies pass away, and those numbers are sent back so we can really track and learn more about their migratory path. But here in San Antonio, our mayor went all in and with Fish and Wildlife and said, you have 21 criteria that cities can do. We are going to do all 21 of those things. So, of course, the San Antonio Zoo was very excited. The University of Texas at San Antonio is involved. Our river authority is involved. And really, our entire community has banded together to work on monarch conservation citywide. We've gone to every elementary school in some of our districts and put in butterfly gardens. The mayor had a butterfly garden at our house. We had council people raising butterflies in their offices. Um, So it's been a really exciting time in San Antonio to see the work of an entire city and a focus of an entire city on the conservation of a species. And I tell the mayor, the former mayor, all the time, I don't think she realized what a big deal that was and how excited we were about it because um, some people may look at it and say, well, it's not an elephant or a rhino. It's not this mega species. But to have a whole city focused on a species and on extinction is, is a very big deal for us. And, you know, especially a zoo whose conservation work is really working on species that are not the, uh, the mega species and things like that, that this was very important to us and we're very excited to be a part of it. That's a big wow. Way to go, San Antonio. Way to go, San Antonio Zoo. And a big shout out to everyone out there protecting the butterflies, the monarch butterfly. Who would have thought? Wow, I was raised with monarch butterflies, saw them all the time. And now, as I think about it, you're right. They're just not out there. But I did see a lot when I visited San Antonio. So it was great to see the butterflies there. That's for sure. And even down to our um, Texas Department of Transportation has stopped mowing areas and letting areas go back more natural and 
Um, we're seeing milkweed planted around the city on intersections and things like that. So, I mean, it was a all-in effort in this region, and it's and it's nice. And I hope that we hope that it makes a big difference. And if you, if you if you can take that and multiply it to more species, which we're losing dozens of species across the planet daily, we can try to stop some of this that, that's happening and save these animals for future generations. We don't want to be the generation that that lost everything. <laughs> you know what you just said: species are dying out daily, twelve plus a day. And right. I always use this as an example when we're having our dinner table conversation tonight, an hour or two over dinner, a species will be gone, wiped off the face of this earth right, right while we're having our dinner. And I think that's uh, eye-opening for people when they hear that. Yeah, and it's really, this list one is being caused by man, and a lot of the conservation work we're doing now is really focusing on the people in the regions where we're doing work. So in the Amazon and the Peruvian jungles, we work with the tribes down there. We've taught the, we've brought in Japanese fish print artists to teach the, the tribes how to do fish prints. Mm-hmm. So the fish that they're catching for dinner in this biodiverse river, they're now doing fish prints, rice paper, like you would see in Japan. And then the San Antonio Zoo acquired a house in Peru. All these tribes take their goods to the house, and they sell them out of this house, and they ship them to the San Antonio Zoo. We sell them, send the proceeds back to the indigenous people. Because what happens now is if they get sick, have an illness go through their tribe, the loggers come in and tell them, we'll give you money if you give us the rights to log your property or log some of your property. And they have basically have no choice. So we're, we're really trying to prop the people up there to have an investment or a vested interest in conserving their environment. So that's been a great program for us to help those indigenous tribes down there. And it's really been interesting to watch over the last two years. Now tribes that have had minimal to no contact with the outside world are are contacting the groups we're working with saying they want to be involved in that. So we're hoping to be able to sustain those indigenous peoples down there so they don't have to sell off their logging rights and their rights and their mineral rights to their properties and they can and have a vested interest in that property to, to maintain it and save it for us and them and for future generations. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. I bet a lot of our listeners had no idea what uh, what modern zoo leaders are facing today, right? I mean, what right. you just described is not just what zoo directors did 50, 40, 30 years ago. I mean, you're talking about a global footprint, serious challenges that are, you know, facing our entire uh, society today, broader international society, not just uh, our local hometowns. Pretty stunning. Tim, then that brings me to the question, how in the world does one grow up today to become a zoo, a zoo leader such as you? Well, my path was a total accident, so I'm not sure anyone will ever follow my path again. But <laughs> Tell us your path. I, um, I love it. Yeah. I lived in San Antonio as a, as a small child and came to the zoo in second and third grade as a child at field trips with my family. And then we really moved up to Dallas, and I grew up in Dallas. After high school, my parents had moved back to San Antonio, same neighborhood to be with all their friends. A couple years later, I came back down here to go to school, to the um, San Antonio College and then the University of Texas in San Antonio. Well, while I was going to school, I just started working at theme parks in the summer. So typical summer job, I came down, I was a lifeguard in the summer at a theme park. The next summer I went back, I became a supervisor. The next summer I came back, promoted again. So I was there about four years at a park called Fiesta, Texas. In 1996, I got a call from SeaWorld out of the blue on my home phone because this was before cell phones. And they asked me to come run the water park at SeaWorld. And at the time, I thought SeaWorld was way too far out. San Antonio has really grown since the 
first time. But again, I had nothing to do in the summer, so I said, okay, sure, I'll come run the water park here. And that's where I really fell in love with animal care and conservation was I came to SeaWorld as a water park operator, and then it's led to my path now. So my time at SeaWorld, I did the water park, and then I got a little more responsibility. I had the Bay of Play, our big kit child's area, and then I had the operations of one of the shows, and then I had the Budweiser Clydesdales and things like that. And then in 1999, I moved to uh, Orlando to open Discovery Cove, which is a Mm -hmm. dolphin swim resort with um, thousands of tropical fish and uh, aviary where birds land on you, a, a very immersive animal connection environment and was really involved in helping open design, open and build that park, which was really a lot of fun. And that kind of led me into the animal design work that I started to do as I came back to SeaWorld San Antonio. So I came back to SeaWorld San Antonio and had the the privilege of helping design Aquatica, which is a water park with thousands of animals in it where really guests connect with animals in a water park. You can wade with stingrays, a big aviary that birds land on you and you can interact with, and tortoises, and then just animal ambassadors on the pathway. So lots of animals in that water park environment where people are kind of enjoying a water park in this natural, beautiful Mm -hmm. scenery with animals. And then before I left SeaWorld to come to the zoo, I helped design Discovery Point, which is their dolphin interaction pool. It was really a big expansion for the dolphins at that pool. It was an original pool built in 1988, so it was really fun to build a bigger, more enriching pool for those dolphins. So I was doing a lot of capital projects at SeaWorld, and I had a lot of different areas of responsibility from running concerts to operations to landscaping to warehouses to PR to um, front gate. Pretty much anything you could do at SeaWorld, I I did it at some point or another, um, which gave me a great background of experience in a lot of areas. Mm -hmm. And then I think zoos, as they've changed and modernized, have kind of been looking for that, more of that sort of person that um, is well-versed, well-rounded in lots of different areas. And so uh, a firm reached out to me about the San Antonio Zoo job, and I was like, I loved the zoo as a child. I had been as, I have an older child now who's 22, and I had brought him as a child, and then I have some a three- and a five-year-old, so I've really been the demo of this zoo three times. Um, <laughs> That's wonderful. And really thought I could make a positive impact on this zoo, which would in, in turn make a positive impact on the city that I love and the worldwide community of conservation. So it's one of those jobs where people are like, oh, I want to save the world when I grow up. I'm like, the people that work at zoos and aquariums really are working to save the world. Um, it's the world of animals, but it all affects the humans and how we're going to live in the future, you know, from pollinators up to the elephant, so it's very important. But my path was very strange, but I think I was meant to be here, and I'm, I'm really enjoying my time here. And we've really seen the community get re-involved and fall in love again with our zoo with record attendance, and it's been, it's been fun to watch. And then all of that allows us to grow our conservation programs and things that we're doing. So the more we do to enable our mission, the more of the mission we're able to do. So um, it's been a very fun process. Wow. You know, I think that's beautiful, Tim. And uh, I love the way that, uh, you know, you really have brought it all the way around full circle back in San Antonio and back doing what you love with the animals and your path right. is is wonderful and so commendable. You know, I have to ask you, do you have a uh, a favorite? I'm sure you get this question all the time, probably from the kiddos that are visiting your zoo today. Do you have a favorite animal? I do literally get that question at least twice a week. <laughs> I knew you I did. People, it, I tell people it changes. It really changes all the time. So mm-hmm. it's been the elephants and it's mm-hmm. been the giraffes when we built, opened our savanna habitat to just, you know, we hadn't had giraffes in several years. Mm-hmm. So to bring those back and watch people just be in awe of seeing a giraffe in person in real life and how big they are and how tall they are and how fast they're able to move and those kind of things. And then recently we had lion cubs and then jaguar cubs. So, so it, And now we have this gorgeous little tamandua baby. So it really changes all the time. And with the diverse 
collections that zoos have, and specifically this zoo has a very diverse collection. It, it really does change all the time. Uh, of course, we love all the animals, but those favorites change where I'm really spending more time at one place or another. And it also sometimes depends on what we're working on. We're, we're do, working right now on an incredible design for an overhead jaguar catwalk that'll connect two big spaces for the jaguars and take them down next to a river where they can sit by the river. And so that's a very exciting project for us, especially with our two cubs that are coming up on um, being a year old now. That that's going to be a very fun project for me. So I'm sure jaguars are going to be my favorite for a while while we do that project. <laughs> and then in <laughs> the future, it. whatever we decide to do in our master plan that aligns with our mission and our vision and our conservation efforts and these amazing animals that we can bring to San Antonio for our guests to see, those will probably become my favorite. So it really does change all the time. I love it. I love it. Well, and, and I love your animals, and I especially love those golden girls. They're quite yes. quite something, and uh, I encourage everyone to go and see that video. Tim, how can more of our listeners learn more about what you're doing at San Antonio Zoo? Uh, one of the best ways is to visit our website, sazoo.org, and you can see the conservation efforts we're working on. You can see what the happenings are at the zoo. We have a lot of – we're really doing more of, you know, the, the old zoo that maybe – you and I went to or our parents went to was kind of just a static same zoo all the time. We're really trying to create memorable, repeatable experiences here. So we're doing more festivals and events and a bigger Christmas program and a expanded Halloween program now for the kids and celebrating animals in different ways. And so we're always doing something that keeps us fresh, top of mind, where people are coming to visit us. Because like I say, the more people that visit us, the more conservation work we can do. So visiting our website, sazoo.org, and then we are very active on social media. We're probably one of the most active zoos in the country on social media. Mm-hmm. So our Facebook page is facebook.com slash San Antonio Zoo, and that applies to Twitter and Instagram and all the places that you can find everyone these days. But we're very active out there talking telling our stories and also responding to guests' questions, good or bad, because people have a lot of questions about zoos, especially the younger generations and the importance of zoos. So really telling everyone what we've been talking about for the last you know, 20, 30 minutes is critical to our future to really tell people this is the purpose of zoos and aquariums these days. It's not just the menagerie collection of things to come look at like it was of yesteryear. So it's very important for us to be out there ahead of the curve and telling our story. That's beautiful, Tim. Well, congratulations again on being certified by the American Humane Conservation Program. You were the number 12th institution worldwide to be certified in our rigorous third-party assessment of, of zoos and aquariums around the world. That's quite an achievement, and I believe you were the first zoo in the great state of Texas to be certified yeah. by American Humane. So that's incredible kudos to you, and congratulations on all the great work. Well, please, listeners, do uh, go visit Tim's site, and I also encourage you to follow him on Twitter. Uh, Tim Morrow on Twitter is a treat. I just learned recently that hippos spend 16 hours submerged in water. So thank you, Tim, for that (laughs) tidbit. I learned lots on your Twitter, so thanks so much. I also learned a lot about the San Antonio Spurs, so thank you for that, too. Yes. (laughs) Supporting local. One more championship, at least one more. (laughs) That's great. That's great. Well, Tim, thanks so much for being uh, our very special guest on today's show and sharing your love for animals. We're so grateful. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was an honor to be on, and it's, uh, like I said, an honor to be part of the American Humane Certification Program, and we are very proud of that. Thank you, Tim. Thanks so much, and keep up the great work for animals around the world. Friends, thank you for joining us for such an important episode with this current sixth mass extinction that we're experiencing in which 12-plus species are dying out every day. It's more vital than ever to work towards protecting the special creatures whom we share the world with. To learn more about what American Humane is doing, how we're helping to conserve and protect species, please visit www.humaneconservation.org across the world and here at home. 
We're loving animals, and I know you are too. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week here on Loving Animals with me, Dr. Robin Ganser. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.